Welcome to episode 30 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And this week we'll be recapping episode 201, The Avatar State, and 202, The Cave of Two Lovers from season 2 of Avatar The Last Airbender. Now, before we start, we do want to warn you that this podcast will be mentioning spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, and The Rise of Kyoshi. However, you are free from spoilers regarding The Shadow of Kyoshi and any other Avatar Universe comic books. So, Andre, how are we doing this week? Um, <laughs> um, it's okay. It's been okay, I guess. Um, I'm it's a loaded. Really, uh, it's a loaded question these days, isn't it? <laughs> bit of a loaded question. Um, no, I'm doing. I'm doing okay. Uh, the weather's starting to get a little warmer, which I um extremely appreciate. I love that. I'm most of the time an advocate for winter because I just like winter, but. By the time you're in March, you're just like, okay, I'm over okay. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, like, I'm. I always look forward to summer, but by August, I'm like, okay, I want, I want the cold weather. So this happens every couple of months. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, you know what, I'm really w- ready for daylight savings. I'm ready for that bitch to come and change my world. Yeah. I'm ready for that. I'm ready for it to exercise my, uh, you know, seasonal depression. I'm ready for that to melt away and leave you just regular depression and quarantine depression. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Two's a yes. party. Um, yeah. Oh, and I'm getting my, um, I'm getting the second dose of my COVID vaccine tomorrow. Oh my God. It's so exciting. <sighs> it is exciting. I'm trying not to psych myself out because I know that I'm probably going to be down for the count uh, with the side effects, yeah, which I've most heard. people have had. And I'm like, as as like as much as I can prepare myself, like a lot, if I have anxiety, a lot of it is based on like my health, and I can just I already know that I'm gonna wake up Saturday, I'm gonna feel like shit, I'm gonna be like, I have COVID, like <laughs> like there's no one's gonna be able to convince me. I, my brain's gonna be like, oh my god, you picked up COVID like before you got the vaccine, and now the vaccine is like messing with that. Just put I'm sticky just... notes like around your house and just be like, you got the vaccine, exactly. you're gonna be okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly i know i'm gonna be okay my boyfriend got it um tuesday and wednesday he was um he had like the the chills and nausea um but then thursday he was feeling um not 100 percent, but definitely a lot better so I, it's not gonna be you know i can do it for a day you know but also the thing is i have not been sick for like more than a year at this point so that's right. I don't know. Neither I don't want I'm not I'm not looking forward to it, but you know, it's definitely worth it in the long run. Anyway, enough about me. Kayla, how are you doing? Uh well first I also want to point out I love your nail color. I've seen you wave around on the camera right now and your nails Thank look great. You. I haven't my boyfriend actually did them. Well, they look great. Tell your boyfriend that they look great. Uh meanwhile, I haven't painted my nails in a while and I've just gnawed all of them off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm doing great. Um I just I'm officially a retired swimmer now. Uh Last week when we were recording the emergency episode, I was at my last uh, swim meet. I was in Austin, Texas, literally days before the mask mandate dropped. I was out of Austin. So oh, yeah, you were in Texas, I weren't like, you? I was in like this like like sandwich between like the crazy winter weather that happened the, that week. And then my week when I was in Austin and then the week after they dropped the mask mandate. So I just came at the oh my perfect God. time. That's crazy. Oh, well, are you happy yeah. to not be doing swimming anymore? I am very excited. I have so much more free time now. The only problem is I got to figure out how I'm going to exercise. <laughs> like, yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. That uh, rec center is probably still cold, closed, huh? 
Yeah, no rec center. So thankfully, my apartment complex does have its like little gym on the property. So it's like, you know, they have like some free weights and like some treadmills and stuff. So I've been running, which mm-hmm. is something I never thought I'd do. But here I am, you know, yeah. running. I wish I had money for a gym membership. I also wish I was living somewhere like L.A. where they can just put like the the equipment like outside the gym or like you know those gyms yeah. that are like they can like remove the walls like they have because like, a garage the weather door, is like very predictable like, yeah thing. yeah yeah i'd love to I do just, one of those i went to, when i was in florida for a training trip a couple of years ago like we went we worked out at a crossfit gym and they had like the garage door like oh, open and it was oh love so that. nice because because so. then you're not like breathing and everyone else is like sweat and everything and like that gym rubbery smell mm-hmm. you know what i mean exactly oh i know exactly what you're talking Ugh. about that's partially why I'm moving further down south when I uh, get out of college, so I can get some nice warm weather. Are you <laughs> are bit. you daring to live in Florida? Is that what no, I'm hearing? No, not Florida though. Okay. How <laughs> how far south? Um, so far Atlanta, Georgia is like the furthest south I'm looking. Uh, okay. That's like I say I say a little further south. I'm not saying like you know go all the way to Florida, <laughs> even though Florida is technically on the radar. But it's something I'm like, oh my god, I gotta go to Florida. Right. Like no, that's that's not my that's not my mentality. That's my dad's mentality. <laughs> mm, okay cool uh, but yeah all right <laughs> things, things are good anyway back to avatar which is the point of this podcast yeah the avatar gods have blessed us because we have uh another bit of news um yeah. f- so following the big an- announcement of avatar studios which if you want to know what we thought about that and our predictions of the kinds of stories that could be coming from that you can listen to episode 28 but Dark Horse Comics actually announced that they are partnering with Nickelodeon to create a new Avatar The Last Airbender chibi comic. Um, and this this particular comic is aimed towards younger readers. And yeah. it's going to be written by celebrated children's author Kelly Lee Miller. And she's also teaming up with a very prominent artist in Avatar fandom, Diana Sim. And series writer Tim Hedrick, and he's actually written episodes on Atla, and I believe also on Korra. That's cool. So yeah, they're going to be they're going to be putting this comic book together, and it's titled Avatar: The Last Airbender Chibi Vol- Volume One: Aang's Unfreezing Day, arriving September seventh, twenty twenty one, and it is available for pre order. Um, safe to say, we'll probably do like a bonus Avatar hour checking this out. That'd be like, cute. It sounds fun, so you know. But yeah, um, that's all the news that came out this past week. I don't know why, but I was I was like. Any day now, we're going to get more info on that Avatar movie. I'm like, it literally, they literally just announced Avatar Studios. But like, I'm just like, any day now, we're going to get more information. Yeah, it's like, it's like, what do you, it's like, it's like your move, Netflix. You know, that's basically what's happening with this whole Avatar Studios thing. It's like, okay, Netflix, what are you going to do? I feel like they're going to do something on the anniversary of the series ending. When's that? So Atla ended in July of 2008. So maybe we'll hear something in July. I don't know. That's just a a very baseless theory. Um, Eh, But yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not entirely baseless. You know. I I don't know. It's like it's a movie grasping at straws, but at least it's grasping at something and not coming way out of left field. (laughs) You know. All right. So yeah, if we do hear anything, obviously you'll hear it here first on Avatar Hour. But let's go ahead and dive into the episode recap. This is so fun to be going back to the TV show. Obviously, we loved and were obsessed with the rise of Kiyoshi, but coming back yes. to the show where it all started is really nice. So we're going to start with episode one of season two, The Avatar State. And appropriately, we open the season with a nightmare sequence. Um, so there's this montage of Aang uh, watching an evil version of himself go into the Avatar State. 
And it's kind of going through all the moments that he went into the average state from season one. So like the Southern Air Temple, um, the uh, Roku's uh, place in the Fire Nation in the Winter Solstice episode, and the Northern Water Tribe season one finale with Koizilla. Um, and wakes up from this and Katara asks if he wants to talk about it. And he says that it's just a nightmare and that it's really scary to watch himself in the Avatar state. So I don't know about you, but I was really thinking about the storm episode um, because that, I mean, nightmares obviously also played a pretty important um, role in that episode. And I'm also noticing that every season has at least one episode that is like driven by a nightmare because the season three, we get that episode, the, the nightmare, nightmares and daydreams. And that entire episode is focused um, and propelled from that nightmare thing. Um, but I just thought, I just thought that was cool. I mean, I like how this episode kind of brings back uh, some aspects of the storm episode because then we cut to, you know, uh, later, we you know, we cut to Zuko on the anniversary of when he was banished. Uh, yeah. You know, there's some there's some similar things at play here. Some parallels, definitely. Episode. Yeah. And it's also, you know, like, um, it's interesting because we know that air nomads are traditionally pacifist. So Aang watching himself commit acts of I mean, they're acts of violence, even though he wasn't necessarily in control. Like, I think is really is a really interesting thing for that character to go through. Um, but the next day, um, they're um, packing up stuff, and uh, Paku is bidding the gang farewell, and he sends them off with some gifts. So for Katara, he gives her a vial of water from the Spirit Oasis um, in the Northern Water Tribe for healing. It's which... a secret tool that will help us later. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. As Kayla likes to say, we'll put a pin in that. <laughs> um, for Aang he gives him a collection of waterbending scrolls and reminds him that they are no substitute for a real master referring to Katara Our and girl. for Sokka he gives him a pat on the shoulder and he says you know good luck great job buddy <laughs> <laughs> good luck um, great job whatever you did exactly exactly um, so Paco directs them towards this um, military base in the Earth, Earth Kingdom and tells them that it's under the charge of General Fong um, and he will give them an escort to Amashu where Aang can begin earthbending training with King Bumi. So somewhere between the season one finale and the season two premiere, it was decided that Aang would go to Amashu to hopefully start his earthbending training with Bumi. Um, uh, I mean, what do you what do you think of that? Um, I mean, well, now that Aang is traveling with the apparent waterbending master, um, you know, kind of like he can get the kind of training on the road to Amashu. Mm-hmm. It's not he's more comfortable with waterbending. I think you know, next, all right, you're you're good enough with waterbending. Like you know, maybe don't have it mastered, but we're kind of on a tight schedule here. Uh, you know, kind of getting him once he's comfortable enough to do waterbending well, then you know, just progressing into the next natural step in the cycle. You know. Mm-hmm. I think that's a I think it's I think that's a fine enough idea by me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Again, they're on crunch time here, you know? Like <laughs> Um, so we cut to Iroh and Zuko and they have found some refuge somewhere in the Earth Kingdom. We're not really sure. Um, they're just surrounded by beautiful cherry blossoms. Um, and Iroh is getting a massage while Zuko broods in the shadows, which I mean that sentence alone kind of <laughs> kind of just encapsulates their dynamic. Yeah, um Yeah. And we learned that it's been, like you said, three years since Zuko was banished. Um, and Zuko is talking about how he wants his honor back and for his father not to think that he's worthless. To which Uncle Iroh replies that um, he assures him that he doesn't think that. Otherwise, why would he banish him if he didn't care? <laughs> 
And um, <laughs> not. <laughs> what is it with like literally like and then like he like like I dug himself a grave with this one, and then Aang in the next episode digs himself a grave with I'd rather I'd rather kiss oh, you than yeah. die. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, and he's like, oh that came out that came out wrong, and I'm like, yeah, just a little bit, just, just a little tad. Bit. Um, <laughs> we move on to a fire navy ship, and we see four servants carrying a large royal carriage to reveal Princess Azula. Um, I mean, villain entrance. She's got the presentation down, you know? I just want to talk about, I, you know, let's, I want to finish recapping the scene and then I want to talk about it. Yeah, go for it. Um, So they are, uh, Ozula is talking to this, like, you know, entourage of firebenders that they are tasked with capturing Zuko and Iroh. And she tells them that they have disgraced the Fire Lord and have brought shame on them all. And she warns them that while they may hesitate about attacking members of the royal family, she will not hesitate to punish them if they do. Um, Bear in mind, she's 14 years old. She is 14. Yeah, exactly. As she dismisses them, the captain informs her that the tides will not allow them to enter the port on time. And she just asks whether the tides command the ship. And he says no. And we get this amazing line. She says... Maybe you should worry less about the tides who have already made up their mind about killing you and worry more about me who's still mulling it over. Like, and here's what I want to say. I damn. cannot think of any other villain introduction in any other show or book or movie that is so pitch perfect. Like you immediately get the sense that you should not fuck with this girl. Absolutely not. Everything is perfect by the way that um, they choose to like draw the camera and the framing of everything, the music, the the vibe she gives off, like the character design. Like it's really fucking She's got crazy good. nails too, by the way. You oh that? yeah. Just like yes. super long nails. Yes. What did you think? Like rewatching this? Um, just because I was ready. Like, it's like, yeah, uh, you know, as soon as he said the tides will not allow it, I immediately started thinking. Immediately, like knew I knew the next lines because it's like it's like it's an iconic set of lines there with like, mm-hmm. you know, worry less about the tides have already made up your mind about killing you. Just like, oh, oh, it's just so good. And again, yeah. she's a fourteen-year-old kid doing this. Like, yes, <laughs> yes, and it helps that she's part of the royal family and was sent by the actual Fire Lord. So, like, he trusted her enough to do this job. Like, of I course, mean, damn, she's a child prodigy. Of course, yeah. He did. As we as we find as we find more with like as we get to know her, but like just yeah. Well, so also good. Ozai knows that Azula will perform well because he's poured so much of himself into her. Like the like all the episodes in season three where you get to see more of Oza, you're like, oh, that's where Azula gets it from. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the gang arrive at General Fong's military base to literal fireworks, um, not figure of speech. There are actual literal fireworks upon their arrival. Um, and then there are General Fong's chambers, and he tells Aang that he's ready to face the Fire Lord. Uh, to which Aang is like, no, no. I'm not. Um, and his reasoning is that with the Avatar state, Aang can easily bring down the uh bring an early end to the war um and then ang says he doesn't even know how to invoke it to which fong settles the matter and says that he will help him figure out how to do so and then ang will be ready to face his destiny so i mean like as a first time viewer you're like okay well this possibly can't end well (laughs) you know what i mean like we're not going to be wrapping up this war 
in the beginning of season two season with two. Yeah. entire two other seasons left. It's kind of like the day of the black sun episode where you're like, okay, we're halfway through season three. I don't it's feel going like too gonna well. Out. What's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like that feeling you get. I think we talked about it in rise of Kyushi where um, the climax cl- comes early and there's still like, a good bit of story left and you're just like yeah like when like on? when she killed like when uh kiyoshi killed like the leader of the yellow necks and then we're just like there's still more left yeah. what's happened what's gonna happen we don't have that much left we still have something left you know yeah i don't know um cool so we're back with azula and we see her generating lightning for the first time and it's, it's the first real instance we get of lightning bending apart from the storm episode where uh Iroh redirects it, although it looks a little different. Um, and then her mentors, Lo and Lee, who are not named in this episode, but you know, we just know what their names, um, say that it's almost perfect. There's just one hair out of place, and then it cuts to Azula with literally the one bell. hair out of place. It's um, the, isn't that like the first time we hear the bell, or is it the second time? I think the, this is the Azula first bell. time. This is the first time we have the Azula bell sound effects. <laughs> Yes, it's the first time that we hear it, I believe. Um, sure we'll, we'll come back to that later. We'll explain what we mean we'll later. Co- we'll come back to that. Um, <laughs> and she says, uh, almost isn't good enough. And she fires a bolt of lightning into the sky. And Iroh, hearing a clap of thunder, is woken up and looks around concerned. So not only is this, like, super cool, but it's also, like, Iroh is is tied to this idea of lightning bending and that he is has found a way to, like, neutralize it. So it's cool that that Azula and Iroh are kind of linked in that way that he can kind of like sense that as well. Also quick story time as a kid, when I, (laughs) when I watched this scene for years, I thought that Azula like turned around and killed these old women for saying that it was almost perfect. It was just the way it was shot and it was kind of far away. And then it was really up close. It was kind of not clear what she was doing. Like, but as an adult, I was like, oh, no, that's not what happened. Also because Lo and Lee show up in season three. But as a kid, I remember being like, she fucking killed them. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. We saw him. We saw her threaten to, you know, threaten to kill the, you know, the captain of the ship. So it, it's really not that far off if for anything, her to straight up yeah. kill somebody. I, I can blame the writing because they set up the precedent. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I just thought y'all would get kick out of that. Um, well, I do. So Aang approaches General Fong late at nine and tells him that he'll fight the Fire Lord. Um, Katara disagrees and says that it isn't the right way. And Sokka just doesn't doesn't see a problem. He's like, glow it up and get it over with. I don't see what the problem is. Um, and Aang says that he doesn't have time to do things the right way. And I didn't mention this before, but there is a scene of um, General Fong showing Aang like the wounded coming back from war. And it puts Aang in this really tough position because like, of course, he would want to end the suffering early, but that's not what his fate is or what his destiny has in store for him. You know what I mean? Like, it's plus, not like, the time to end the war. And plus, as we see with, like, the Avatar state right now, like, he doesn't know how to control it. And you see what happened at the end of the episode. Like, that would probably do more harm to the, the so-called, to the, you know, to the people fighting the Fire Nation than it would be to the people that are, you know, exactly causing harm, you know, so. Exactly. Remember in Rise of Kyoshi, you know, Jinju said that um, Kurit going to the Avatar State, he decimated an entire island, you know? So, yeah. If anything, it would put more people in harm's way. Um, but he doesn't, but, you know, 
Fogg doesn't know that, so. <laughs> exactly. So the next day, they're doing this series of, like, ways to try and get Aang into the afterstate. So General Fong gives Aang this, like, special chi-enhancing tea, thinking that it will activate the afterstate, but it only just gives Aang a terrible caffeine high. <laughs> the 12-year-old kid. Yeah, Sokka tries to scare him into the afterstate by pulling his shirt up over his head and putting Momo on top so it looks like he's got a Momo head. Um, and I'm like, <laughs> he doesn't have the hiccups. Like, he needs to he needs to be. Also, this thing of like the Momo head thing is like ingrained into my brain because it's scarred for life. It was it's scarred for life only because they would play it in commercials all the time <laughs> for season two of Avatar. Like, it was like a flash of it happening. So I'm like, it just it's just it it stirs something up inside me. I'll just say that. Um. <laughs> Um, and then they try an elemental ritual and they dress Aang up in a bunch of garments resembling the Four Nations and put together all the elements, which is, at the end of the day, just, just mud. mud. Um, yeah, and they throw it on him and it still does nothing. Um, and they're just kind of at a loss to, for, to what to do. So we're with Zula and she meets up with Zuko and Iroh and says that she comes with a message from home. And she says that Ozai wants his family to return back home amidst rumors of this plan to overthrow him. Which, you know, is probably a half-truth. Like, people are probably trying to overthrow this bitch. Okay, um, it's kind of a constant thing in the Fire Nation. I mean, yeah. And then Azula says, family are the only ones you can really trust. Um... Which, you know, master <laughs> manipulation. And she says specifically that Ozai regrets banishing Zuko. So Zuko is kind of in disbelief, and Azula just leaves, let, lets them think about it, and says that she'll come back tomorrow. This makes me wonder. This makes me wonder, though. Like, uh, you know, Ozai did say to send and told Azula to go out and you know bring them back. Like, mm. it makes me wonder. Like, did Azula like make? I mean, I know it. She made all this. We all know she made it up. But like, how? You know, did she like fabricate this entire thing of like? Oh, I think there's someone uh, plotting against him. Like, you know, like how? Like, you know, how much of it she made up herself versus like what she was kind of told to do. That's a good question. Honestly, I want to believe that Azula. Ozai told Azula, bring your brother and uncle home. And Azula was like, okay. And by any means necessary, she just ha did what she thought would really, like, get them home. So I don't think Ozai specifically said, hey, tell them that there's a plan to overthrow me and I regret everything and I want them to come back. I think Azula came up with all of I that. I think so, too. I think totally, she knows exactly how to... She's a master manipulator. I think she knew exactly what words to use to get... Yeah, and she... Especially. And, well, and here's the thing with Azula, too. Like... That first scene was, like, really great in encapsulating how dangerous she is. But this whole entire episode covers so much ground for Azula's character because not only is she physically threatening with her lightning bending, she's also emotionally and mentally threatening because she knows which emotions to play on with people. You know, whether it be the captain making him fear for his life or playing the um, on Zuko's emotions of wanting to come back home. You know what I mean? Um, but it makes me wonder, like, do you feel like Azula is kind of, well, no, never mind. I was going to say, is, there's a do lot you of think, complex question about Azula here. <laughs> I, I was going to say, do you think, do you feel like Azula feels any, any semblance of remorse for tricking Zuko into thinking that everything is fine? No. 
Ooh, I think I'm trying I to don't. make her too complicated. She, I just like. I mean, here's the thing. She she watched Zuko get his face burned off smiling because like if you all don't remember from the storm episode, she was eating popcorn and watching her brother get his face burned <laughs> off. You know, like. Yeah, I don't think she shows any affection. I don't think so. So we're back to General Fong's military base. Um, sorry, this this episode does jump around a lot, but it just makes sense to go back and forth with the episode. Um, Katara and Aang are having a heart-to-heart, and she says that while she can't deny that the Avatar state is a powerful and helpful tool, um, watching him while he's in it, in the Avatar state, is a frightening experience. Um, but, you know, Aang says he stands by his decision, and he faults himself for being unable to stop the Hundred Year War and feels that he has to defeat the Fire Lord now in a way to kind of, like, make up for it, you know what I mean? Um... And then Katara leaves, saying that she won't be there the next day because she can't watch him do this to himself. Um, which, I don't know, it's a very, very sad note <laughs> to leave off on. You know, like, it's it's like the worst kind of disappointment you can feel by one of your friends. You know what I mean? Yeah, and also, like, again, this kind of brings up, again, the same guilt of, uh, you know, the same guilt that we see in the Storm episode. Mm-hmm. You know, where, like, the... The same guilt of not being around when the war was starting and things like that. Um, and yeah, that's just like, I mean, that kind of, with like Katara not wanting to be around, that just, you know, I mean, I don't blame her. That's stuff that like, can't be easy to watch. Um, but yeah, just, it's, it's like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed kind of thing. <laughs> Are you disappointed you know? with Katara or? No, I'm talking about not, I'm not mad. It's like more like Katara being like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Oh. <laughs> like, well, do you feel like she should have like validated Aang's feelings a little more with, I mean, the, the enormous pressure of knowing that people yeah. are getting hurt and dying every day because of, apparently of a war that you did not prevent. It's a tough situation to be in, you know, it, it really of, is. It's it like, really is. I can see both sides of the situation of like being like, yeah, we should just use the super cool, super weapon person that we have to any advantage that we can get. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the other side that said weapon, super weapon's a person, a little kid who hasn't doesn't really know what he's doing, you know, so. Yeah, super interesting. Um, so Zuko is packing to go home and Iroh is real suspicious of Azula's invite to go back home. And he says that he's never known his brother to ever be regretful of anything. Which sounds about right. I I, I keep forgetting that they're brothers. <laughs> I know. I keep forgetting that Iroh is the older brother, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Um, yeah, and he warns Zuko that in their family, things are not always what they seem, which is heavy Azula foreshadowing. Um, and then Zuko, as Zuko does, retaliates and claims that all Iroh is a ho- is a hollow and distrustful man who's always been jealous of his younger brother. Um, and that, and then Iroh does this like really sad, disappointed face. I'm just like, I can't handle this. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> not one thing. Oh, yeah, not one <laughs> thing. Your the parents other. do. <laughs> you know? Oh my god! I think I just had a a mini revelation. What is it? Well. Because I'm thinking, I just connect. I, I just connected it. Connected the um, dots. You didn't connect shit. <laughs> well, these these two scenes, like they kind of play together, you know. And Katara and Iroh are kind of playing the same side, Ooh. and uh, Aang and Zuko are kind of playing the same side. But but if you think about it, let's break it down. Aang, his destiny: defeat the Fire Lord and the war. Right? He's mm-hmm. being called to it at an inopportune time, in a time that doesn't make sense, and in a time where he cannot physically do it yet. 
Zuko, he thinks his destiny is going back home, reclaiming his throne um, and making his father happy. And he's being called to that, but he doesn't know yet that that's not, that's not what's going to happen. That's not what should happen. So it's like, it's telling, it's two sides of the same coin. Ooh. I connected it. You connected, I connected it. it. You did connect. You did connect shit. <laughs> <laughs> cool. But yeah, let us know what you think of that, dear listeners. I want to know. Um, so we cut back to Aang. He's waking up from another Avatar state-related nightmare. And Aang asks for Sokka's advice as he starts second-doubting himself when thinking about what he's trying to do. And Sokka's just like, you know, you're the Avatar. Whatever, you, whatever decision you make, it's going to be the right one. Like, who knows better than you? Which I don't know if, if that's the approach... It's, you should I mean, take Sokka, but... There's a line from Rise of Kiyoshi. I mean, I'm sure he's probably just, he is just trying to make him feel better, but, you know, the Rise of Kiyoshi, like, uh, you know, there's a line there saying, like, you know, you're going to have to make a lot of... I mean, I'm, I'm brutally paraphrasing this, but, uh, you know, it's just like, you got to make decisions and live with them as the Avatar, and they might not always be 100% right, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm sure that'll come back plenty of times as we continue with this uh, podcast. <laughs> Um, the next day, Iroh meets up with Zuko as he heads towards the ship to take him home. And Iroh says that family sticks together and puts a hand on his shoulder. And then we have a quick cut here of this like picturesque image. Um, it's a still image of the back of a boy's head and a fatherly figure putting a hand on his shoulder. And I want to know what you think is happening. I think the episode is telling us that this is reminding Zuko of his father... Or do you think this is Iroh remembering Luten? I think it's Iroh remembering Luten. I d- highly doubt that Ozai did anything where he would like, you know, put his hand on Zuko's I don't, shoulder. I don't know. I I don't know why, but I'm remembering an episode of season season three where Zuko was talking about how him and his family used to go to that that house on Emperor oh, Island. Emperor Island. Okay. And okay. I think there he said some line about his father didn't always used to be like that or something like that. I don't know if I'm making it's that up. It's been a while but... since I've watched the beach episode, so I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't think it was the beach episode. I think it was. I think he was already with not the beach episode. He... What's the word? Uh, and before Ember Island player played. He, yeah, he was already Island. with. He already joined Team Avatar at that She's point. At, yeah, he's. On, I know what you're talking about now. I'm just kind of like getting the Ember Island stuff kind of muddled up in my brain here. Yeah, but the way it's shot is kind of amb- ambiguous because the the shot is on Zuko, which makes you think he's remembering something, but it could also be Iroh looking at Zuko. And Ira remembering Luten, you know, and the and we only see the back of a boy's head and a ponytail, you know, so we don't, it's not, it's hinted that it could be either. I mean, obviously, we're not supposed to know about Luten yet, so maybe it's probably favoring more towards Zuko, but well, I, mean, I don't know. A girl can dream. I mean, they mentioned that Ira's son died, so, you know, we do know about. Yes. Him. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. I- I just thought I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, um, and then, yeah. So, again, another suspicious look from Iroh. Cutting back to Aang, and he's telling General Fong that whatever they're trying isn't working and that he would only be able to enter the Avatar state if he was in mortal danger. And then suddenly, General Fong, you know, thinking, oh, I know what I'll do next. And he attacks him and tells all of his men to attack the Avatar as well. And you're just like, okay, crazy. Um... Cut back to Zuko and Iroh boarding Azula's ship. And Iroh is, you know, everything's super sus. That's um, suspicious. 
And then the captain very stupidly, I'm I'm with the Zula here, (laughs) very stupidly refers to Iroh and Zuko as the prisoners. And Azula's eyes like widen and then the bell count. Oh, bell count. And then the, the the eyes widen and then she's and then she's like, Are you fucking kidding me? And then Iroh immediately begins to fight the firebenders behind him while Zuko engages with Azula. Um so that fight starts breaking out. Um back at the military base in the Earth Kingdom, Katara hears the fight going on and goes to check on him, uh check on Aang, and Sokka tells her that General Fong has gone crazy and is trying to force Aang into the Avatar state. Um, meanwhile, Katara gets caught in the crossfire and General Fong bends her into the ground and traps her. Um, and it's like he's like slowly sinking her and sinking her and he's like, I don't see glowing. And I'm like, you motherfucker. Um, he, this little like 12-year-old boy is like begging you to stop, like tears in his he's, eyes. I, like, what the fuck is wrong with hurt, you? My heart hurt watching that. Like, like that was horrible. This guy to gives watch. me a lot of Zhao vibes too. It was like just like blind Ooh. ambition, like unreasonably so. I don't know. That's just the vibe I was getting. Um, and then Aang, uh, yeah, he's like begging him to stop, and then he completely sinks Katara into the ground, and that's when Aang is triggered into the Avatar state and attacks General Fong. And I noticed this on the second watch. Um, in all of the nightmare sequences. Um, Aang is seen doing this like slicing move where like it like slices across the camera with his hands and in this moment when he goes into the Avatar state he does the exact same move and attacks General Fong so it's like kind of like his worst nightmares realized in real life so I thought that was really cool Um, uh, back to Zuko and Azula they're duking it out and we can see that Azula is a complete prodigy she's like easily dodging his attacks um, she firebends and we see the fire is blue and she taunts him by saying their father blames Iroh for the Fire Nation's failure at the North Pole, which I have to disagree. <laughs> uh, that um, was General Douchebag, Grand Admiral Douchebag. Grand Admiral Douchebag that? himself is the reason they failed at the North Pole because he was trying but to kill the moon. they don't know that. They don't know that. God, I feel like, yeah, I feel like people would tell Ozai that it was, that it was Iroh's fault. Because um, they probably He's also easy like to blame. He's easy to blame. The failure yeah. of Bossing Say, you know, and they probably propped up Zhao to uh, to Ozai as well. So they didn't Absolutely. want. Absolutely. Know... How do you think he got that job? He's a scapegoat. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she also says that Ozai considers Zuko a miserable failure for not capturing the Avatar, and asks him like, why on earth he would want either of them back after all of that failing. Um, and then Azula catches Zuko off guard, and right as Azula is about to literally kill him with a bolt of lightning, Iroh steps in, grabs her hand, and redirects the lightning away before throwing her overboard, and then the two of them <laughs> run off. So, yeah, we're not going to learn uh, about redirection in a couple more episodes, but it was really cool to, like, see it in action for the first time in, like, a, a battle and combat situation. Um... So that kind of wraps up. We're back with Aang. He's in full Avatar state mode. General Fong is trying to communicate with him, but Aang just like blasts the courtyard apart until suddenly his spirit is like removed from his body. And Roku, I forgot like, that part happened. Actually. Yeah, Roku like beams him up on his dragon, and <laughs> it's saying that it's time that Aang fully learned what the Avatar state actually is. The line is, "It's time you learned," which is also burned into my skull because that was like the season two promo for Avatar, so you heard it everywhere. Ooh. Um, 
And then, so he's explaining Aang, to Aang what the Avatar State is, and I just, I just want to pull the quote from the episode. So Roku says that the Avatar State is a defense mechanism designed to empower you with the skills and knowledge of all the past Avatars. The glow is the combination of all your past lives focusing their energy through your body. So, okay, let's break this down a little bit. The, especially the glow part, because going into Korra... After the past lives are removed from the equation, she still has the avatar state. So she's channeling that energy from, I guess, herself, just Rava guess. herself. Rava and I mean, I mean one to... when he fused with uh, with Rava, he still got he glowing. went avatar state and he was glowing too. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to fault Bright here because they obviously probably didn't didn't think that think far ahead, much, or maybe they yeah. did. Um. I guess I I'm not gonna say it contradicts I mean, well, here's the, the thing. lore, Cora, but Korra in that episode when she fights Unavatu, she like the power that she had, the blue giant thing, that was from her. That was not from Rava. So you know, Korra's that's also true. Just a super powerful. That's ender. very true. So yeah, that too. Yeah, that's very true. Good point. Um, Thank you. But yeah, like I mean, like I said, I don't think it contradicts anything, but it, it's just interesting to try and figure out the mechanics of this thing when you take out the the past lives thing from the equation. Um, also, skills and knowledge of all the past avatars. I'm assuming the knowledge is more just like bending knowledge, like bending techniques and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so we so during this ex explanation, we get flashbacks of Kyoshi. Hey, girl, hey. Um, Kurik, Yangchen, and some other unnamed fire avatar. Um, yeah. we never get this this guy's name. Um, I know we got a name drop of the of the fire avatar before this fire avatar in Rise of Kyoshi, Avatar Salai. Um, but we Maybe I don't that's... think we ever get a name for this guy. We might, you know, if my prediction Maybe pans out is... and that we're going to the Fire Nation and Shadow Kyoshi, maybe we'll, you know, figure out who was who that person is. Um. So then Roku goes on to say that if Aang is killed in the Avatar state, the reincarnation cycle will be broken. The Avatar will cease to exist. Foreshadowing so, alert. <laughs> so <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to talk about this too much because we are yeah. going to do a separate episode on the Avatar state. Um, but I mean, this is just really um, a really basic component to include in your magic system that a lot of people do not include, which is how do you limit a superpower and Bright have found a really interesting way to kind of reduce the the power of the avatar state because while it is super powerful you're running that risk the entire time but also isn't it crazy to think about that there have been like 10,000 plus avatars and all of them have managed to not be killed while in the avatar state good for them <laughs> Yeah, good for them, because I don't know. I feel like I'd be a little too reckless, you know what I mean? Like, just, like, it, all it takes is just one reckless avatar to to use it all the time, and then they just end the reincarnation cycle. I don't know. And before anyone, any naysayers say, Korra, um, let me just reach to the screen and just smack you. Yeah, she didn't, yeah. That was not her fault. <laughs> that was not her fault. She didn't end the the reincarnation cycle you know who no. almost did ang um zappy zap <laughs> um anyway. I, I, I won't i won't call what he did reckless but i mean come on 
Um, <laughs> so then he returns Aang to his body, and Aang sort of wakes up, and he kind of surveys all this damage that he's inflicted. Um, and he apologizes to Katara and says that he hopes she never has to see him like that again. And this is this is cool, too, because you would think the way they're setting up this episode, it's that Aang is going to get to a point where he finally accepts that part of himself and that he can he is able of inflicting this much this much damage. But if anything, I feel like this episode makes that worse. Like, it doesn't really resolve that, you know? And I don't think it gets resolved to the very end of the show. I was going to say, I mean, with the Avatar state, um, when he's treating with, when he's training with the, uh, the guru at the end of the season, like, doesn't he's like, I don't want to touch the Avatar state at all. You know, like, I I see what it does to people and things like that. Doesn't he say something like that? I hope, I feel like he does. I feel like he says something about it. I think he says something like it's not worth, because, I mean, he has to give up Katara in order to fully Mm -hmm. control it. And, I don't think he actually says it, but I think it's subtext where it's like he doesn't think losing her is worth the power of the Avatar state. Okay. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that episode eventually. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so General Fong apparently thinks that this is a, this is a success. This, what, what all just happened is a great thing. And he says that they'll figure the rest out on the way to the Fire Nation. And then Sokka bashes him over the head and knocks him out and calls it a day. Um, and so the gang leave on Appa and they're heading over to Amashu. We cut back to Azula who holds up a wanted poster with Zuko and Iroh's faces and warns the village that anybody that harbors them will face the wrath of the Fire Lord. Um, Zuko and Iroh stop near a stream to catch their breath as they've been running away from the ship. And they both, as a symbol of severance from their family and the Fire Nation, cut their top knots off and place them in the stream and it washes away. And that is the end of... 201 the avatar state i mean as we see in uh rise of kiyoshi how sacred that top knot is that is it just mm-hmm. like i said when you're reading rise of kiyoshi that makes a scene when they you know chop off their their hair like it's that much more important you know yeah definitely oh what an episode and we're almost at an hour so maybe this is Yay. a good time to take a break <laughs> we'll be right back after this ad read see you in a bit and we're back with the secret tunnel episode episode two the cave of the two lovers it is so exciting it's my favorite it's like a favorite like andre and i were trying to discuss the best way to describe this episode because not really i don't like the word filler episode but Mm -hmm. it's definitely like a more like character episode it helps with character developments therefore it is an important episode um but in the in the scheme of in the grand scheme of like you know getting to you know, major plot points. I mean, yeah, you get to Omashu at the end, but he's at the end of the episode. Anyway, it's a fun episode. It is a very fun I was going to say that's the only reason I don't consider it filler because they are still on their way to Omashu, which is a plot point. So yeah, it, it is just a very character character development heavy exactly. episode. I, I, I can agree with that. Yeah. And it's so much fun. It is a funny episode. That's why I find it's like it's on my rewatch list. I always find myself coming back. Listen, this episode is fucking hilarious. <laughs> it is so funny. It's got both like really gimmicky stuff and really just dry as bone humor. It is so <laughs> funny. That's why I'm so excited to talk about it. Let's it's, let's it's do it. Let's get into episode. it. Let's dig right into it. It's the secret tunnel episode, as I get way too excited over. Uh, the episode opens with Katara and Aang practicing their water bending, and Sokka is just vibing in the river. Uh, they're on their way to Omashu, so Aang can learn earth bending from King Bumi. Um, and Aang and Katara, while they're training, they have a little moment as Katara helps fix his stance. You know, because you know it's the romance episode mm-hmm. a little bit. 
and also I gotta say like the, at the end when they're like uh, you know Aang and Katara spar and then at the end of the sparring session she's like you make a great octopus pupil Aang and then like it's just Aang just like yeah. flopping around and like the octopus like imitating octopus that made me crack up I wish I took a <laughs> head empty out of that. head empty just vibing I love that so much though and also like Sokka in the river being like you know we can't take too long we gotta go you gotta get moving to Omashu you know and like just like what are you doing Mr. like you know is this laying in the river with his underwear on like so I can be ready in two minutes. Like, yeah, that's me. the most heterosexual thing I've ever seen. The guy doing absolutely nothing and being like, "I can be ready in two minutes." I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then a group of Earth Kingdom hippies because I know they're called nomads in the episode, Earth but let's Kingdom face hippies. it, they are hippies. They're hippies, guys. It's Flower my first crowns. time seeing this at the dock. <laughs> they're hippies, guys. Like they are. I'm sorry. They they you know it's. I mean, yeah. I'll go. I'll get onto that later. But, um, you know, yes, they show up and it's they're led by Chong, who's not the sharpest knife in the drawer here. Uh, I love that. I love that his name is Chong. Uh, All I can think of is like Chong, Chonkis, Chonky, Chong. I was also just thinking just like, you know, sort of like, I just see like no thoughts, head empty kind of, you know, like exactly empty, empty noggin going on there. Well, actually, Chong is voiced by the one and only D. Bradley Baker, who is also the voice of uh, Momo and Appa. And you also might recognize him as another Avatar Universe character, Councilman Tarlock from Legend of Korra. Really? Yes, that's the same guy. What? Uh, yeah, same guy. All the same guy. I shit you not. I'm hearing both of those voices in my head, and I can I would never guess that it's the same person. It's He's extremely talented. And if you're also a Clone Wars fan, if anyone out there is a Star Wars The Clone Wars fan, he is the voice of every single clone on that show. Man, this guy's legendary. He's amazing. He's he's got he's also the voice of Harry the Platypus. If you watch, uh, you know that Disney I didn't know. Yes, yeah. So he's done he's done a lot of things. I'm sure there's like millions of the things on his IMDb page that I'm not thinking of uh, right now. For sure, yeah. But anyway, Deep Bradley Baker, legendary person, and also playing Chong, which makes him even more legendary. Uh, so smash cut to Zuko and Iroh, where Iroh is eyeing this flower as Zuko is struggling to find food and just rants about the fugitive life. I mean, yeah, he was exiled before, but like he still had a ship and he was taken care of pretty well, even when he was in exile. That's uh, what, you know, that's what soldiers. I thought of. I'm like, girl, you've been, you've been a fugitive for like three years, but then yeah, that, that's a good point. But now he's good like point. super exiled. Like, yeah, no comfortable know. bed chambers. Just exactly. Yeah. So he's pretty much on his own with uncle Iroh. Just and roughing it. Exactly. And that's just me when I go camping. I mean, I have I actually have never gone camping, but I'm sure that it will be me if I ever go camping. Just oh, OK. I was going to be like, <laughs> you went cap. OK, I'll take not, a gay like, card not now. Being exile, not being in exile <laughs> and all that stuff. I'm just like, just in general, just being no, outside I know. with no showers. And I'm like, mm, no, I'm going to glamp. If, I, if, I, if I'm going to camp, I'm going to glamp. OK, that's just how I, would, I am. As a I would prefer to sleep inside like a human. Yeah. Um, yeah I thought you said you have been camping. And I'd be like, all right, uh, no. I'm, I'm going to need your gay card. Um, and take that back, and you'll be off for two weeks. I think. Uh, I think. No, I think. I think that keeps. I think that. I think that sort of solidifies the lesbian card here. You know, I'm supposed. To, <laughs> I have a super. I guess that's true. I got the pixie cut. You know. <laughs> Do the lesbians love camping? Is that a thing? I guess. I mean, we have we have Subarus. We have cars that can handle this kind of thing. You know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we got lesbians. Subarus. Subarus. <laughs> Do lesbians like camping? Yeah, we got Subarus. We got Subarus. We can handle the rough terrain with our cars, I guess. <laughs> lesbians, oh my God. Please, please don't take my lesbian car. <laughs> just for saying that. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is why we need to have queer. This is why this is why this amazing show because we have two queer people just talking about this sort of thing. I love that. Anyway, anyway, back to Iroh and Zuko. Uh, Iroh, I'm just saying you will never find an Avatar podcast out there that it no. will mention lesbians or Superus in either of their yeah. episodes. Just saying. Exactly. Exactly. Just saying. I think that makes us pretty special. Only here. <laughs> anyway, so Iroh is like, I think I found the white dragon bush, which makes this like fantastic tea, and we. In, or he is like, or wait, or it might be this white jade bush, which is like a deadly poison, delectable tea or deadly poison, which is exactly that's me trying to up. buy bagged lettuce at Kroger. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, it looks fine, but, but then you're trying it? to look through the bag and you see like one like really brown wilted lettuce piece of lettuce, and you're just oh like, or is nope. it? You know. Oh, man. So anyway, back to the gangs vibing with the hippies uh, and they're making flower crowns and like they're braiding office fur and everything. You know, you uh, just had to be there. Yeah, you just had to be you there. You had to be there. <laughs> make that. We need to make that a Twitter post now. Like, oh, you know, we need to make that. Put that write that down. You. Write that down. I know I'm posting great... it now. You got the recap. I'm posting it right now. Just put just just anyway. The gang is just vibing with the hippies and they're making flower crowns, all that stuff. And then like they're talking about, oh, you're on, you know, it's like he needs to get to Omashu. And then like Chong's like, sounds like you guys are heading to Omashu. <laughs> uh, and then they start and then like it's like Chong suggests that there's a secret tunnel that goes through the mountain as a way to get to Omashu. And then they sing the legendary secret tunnel song, which I will not sing for you because let's face it, my voice is kind of shit. Uh, but you know, it's a great it's a great song though. I wish I I wish I learned how to play it on ukulele, but you know, I just didn't have the time and I kind of suck at ukulele. That's as well. a Patreon exclusive. There's a Patreon exclusive. <laughs> so if you want me to do that, you know, give me money. Um, and yes, I still know the words after all these years since I watched it. It's, of course. It's a fantastic song. I think one of my favorite things, though, with Secret Tunnel is um, Dan Povenmire, who is one of the co-creators of Phineas and Ferb. Uh, and he did he sang Secret Tunnel on his TikTok. Cause people, so many people requested him to do it as Doofenshmirtz. He's the voice of Dr. Doofenshmirtz oh, yes. on Phineas and Ferb. So he sang Secret Tunnel. And then he then he's like, after he's like before the chorus, he's like, ladies and gentlemen, Dee Bradley Baker. And then Dee Bradley Baker <laughs> sings the rest of it because, you know, he, they know each other from Phineas and Ferb. So anyway, yeah. that's the legendary video. I'll send it to you so you can post it on our pages. And then, like, I also, I want to say with the Secret Tunnel song, it's so funny watching the other hippies dance to it. Like, they do, like... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know yes just... <laughs> if you have not watched this episode in a while i i promise you just go back at, at least watch the secret title and just part. watch the background hippies it is just, hilarious like, like when i'm just doing it <laughs> for our patreons you can see me doing the weird dance <laughs> it's so funny Oh my god. Anyway, so then Secret Tunnel's over, Secret Tunnel song's over, and then like Sokka's like, no, nah, we're gonna fly, and then and he's like, yeah, I'm actually with Sokka on this one, because Sokka does not like the underground. So. Wait, you completely flew over... Did I flew uh, pos- over something? Possibly, possibly the best joke in the episode. Wait, what was it? Where he's like, uh, Sokka's like, I hate to be the wet blanket, but Katara's busy right now. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just... <laughs> I that shit this. is so funny! <laughs> I was literally cackling. I'm sorry, I forgot <laughs> about that one. That was so funny. Why did I not write that down? Ugh. Oh fuck. Anyway, so they like, you know, so then I was like, yeah, we're, they, 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 he's like, I'm not great with going underground, so we're gonna go fly. And then they, they cut to them flying and being attacked <laughs> by the Fire Nation. They just start screaming, and I love the smash cut from them screaming to like yes. talking to me like, okay, secret love t- cave, let's go. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're just so covered funny. in soot and just shook. What just happened? Shook. They're just shook. They're just tired. They're just tired walking to the cave. <laughs> oh my god! And then they go to the secret tunnel where uh, it's where they 
yeah, sorry, I cut. I jumped ahead of things. I will get back to this joke later. So cut back to Zuko and Iroh. Iroh just, just like, Iroh's like, so you know the plant where uh, I thought that it was either amazing tea or deadly poison? You didn't. It's actually poison. And if the swelling reaches my throat, I'm going to stop breathing. So, hey, check out this other mysterious plant I found that can either cure me or blind me. Let's it's it's the line delivery. It's like it's like when the rash reaches my throat, I will stop breathing. So <laughs> I'm I just found like, this mysterious okay, plant. should probably do something about that. But I found this cool plant that I could either cure. It's like you know that I can cure this, or you know, or this other kind of plant that could cause blindness. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And then, of course, like, he's like, nope, no more weird plants. We're not doing this anymore. We need to go get help. And then it's like, I was like, so where are we going to go? Like, uh, if the Earth Kingdom discovers us, we'll be killed. But if the Fire Nation discovers us, we'll be turned over to Azula. Earth Kingdom it is. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, the comedic <laughs> writing in this episode is so good. Oh, my face is already starting to hurt from just smiling and laughing at this already. Oh, my God. Oh, it's good. And we're not even like, t- like two minutes into the episode. Anyway, back to the gang and the hippies. As they approach the entrance to the secret love cave, um, the uh, Chong mentions that the labyrinths, uh, that the tunnel's from a labyrinth. And I was like, oh yeah, and I remember the second, like, you, need, you need to trust in love, which is like, you, like, you need to trust in love or you'll be trapped in the cave forever and die. Oh yeah, and die. And, and then die. like, <laughs> and like, the key, then he just walks up, he just like, strums the guitar and die. I just remember the rest of the words and die. There's a great <laughs> meme of that part too, where he strums the guitar and then it's when it cuts to Whitney Houston singing and die. <laughs> <laughs> There's my singing for the episode. You're welcome. That was for free. Ugh. Anyway, so I always think of that meme whenever I see this part. So once they enter the tunnel, then Fire Nation soldiers come in after them. Hey, look, someone's making a campfire. <laughs> that's what one of the no, that's what one of the hippies says. <laughs> I want to know what they're smoking because I want some. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my god! Probably so hopped up on that cactus juice. Cactus juice, yeah. It'll, it'll <laughs> quench you. <laughs> it's nothing's quenchier. <laughs> I can't wait for that episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the Fire Nation soldiers then trap them in the cave, and uh, I love how they're like, you know, wait, don't you like, don't follow into the cave? Don't you know the song? Like, talking <laughs> about the curse, just trap them in the mountain. They'll take the, you know, they'll take care of the rest. So they trap them in the cave, and I gotta say, Sokka interacting with these hippies is like one of the best character interactions, like in the series. Let's be honest, it's like one of the best comedic interactions of this entire series. So. More on that later. Sokka creates a map to track the progress uh, and, you know, kind of trying to, you know, if, if we make a wrong turn, we turn around and follow it like, you know, like a maze and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Turns out Sokka's technique is proven useless because the tunnels are continually changing around them. Uh, fun fact from the Avatar wiki on this part, because Chong says the, the you know, the, the tunnels, they are changing. That's what Chong says. And apparently that is a reference to Bob Dylan's The Times They Are Changing, which is from the 1960s, which is when hippies were really prevalent. So. Oh. Okay. The they are changing. Yeah. The tunnels, they are changing. So there, it's yeah. kind of a stretch, but you know what? I think it's, it's cool. I had to find some sort of tidbit, interesting tidbit about this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, back to Zuko and Iroh, who is slowly starting to swell up because of the plant. 
uh, Zuko and Iroh go to the nearest town, and they meet this nice girl named Song, who takes care of Iroh, and uh, they basically try to BS their backstories, and she says, like, she's like, you guys must not be around here, because we know that we don't, we, we know all know not to drink, you know, make, you know, go near that bush, let alone make, make tea and drink it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, basically, like, Zuko and Iroh try to BS their backstories, <laughs> Uh, yes. I'm Lee, and that's my uncle Mushi. Oh yes, you know, nice to meet you. You know, like well, my uncle, you know, like but we call him Junior because he's named after his father. And then Zuko is just like ready to like... kill him. <laughs> 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 oh my god! So they go to Song's house. Uh, Song offers them a nice warm meal, and they go over to her house that night. And they basically talk about their shared backstories as refugees. So Song says that her the Fire Nation had came had come into the village and took her father and all of the other men away. Um, then she asks Zuko if his father's fighting in the war, and Zuko says yes, which is, is true technically. Not only not mm-hmm. fighting, but you know he's kind of the reason why it's still going on for a hundred years. Um, back to the secret tunnel, the cave and the hippies get attacked by wolf bats, which causes Appa to panic and uh, run just run around the cave, just knocking into things, causing a big old cave in. Um, relatable, uh, except mm-hmm. mine's the cave-in part, but, you know, making a mess of my apartment in this case. <laughs> relatable, besides the really. cave-in. <laughs> besides the cave-in, it's more like my, well, I mean, here's the thing. If I start, if I just don't have the energy because anxiety and or depression, it's just a trap for me. I just trip over things. So, you know, it works in similar context ish Back at the seat, yeah, so anyway, back to uh, Zuko at Song's house, he goes out on the porch to brood just to, you know, be angsty again, which as he has every right to be, as yeah. one does. Uh, and she goes and sits next to him, and she says, like, you know, hey, we're, you know, we're kind of been through some similar shit, like, you know, the Fire Nation hurt you, too. And she, you know, referencing to the, the big old scar that you can't really miss inside his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when she tries to touch it, Zuko grabs her hand, stops her, and then she's like, you know, hey, the Fire Nation hurt me, too. And she points, and then she pulls up her pant leg to show that she has a burn scar kind of similar to his on her leg mm-hmm. which surprises him which takes him aback so and that's just another notch on the belt of his redemption arc i'm telling that, you i mean i forgot how critical this episode is for his redemption arc because really this is like you know kind of the first like you know little one of the first little chips at the you know mm-hmm. fire nation is everything kind of mm-hmm. well i would argue it started with i, I mean the top yeah, knots but, being I mean, like, severed I mean, there's, like, another big chip taken out of it. You know, the top not being yeah. separate, and then, like, you know, there's just more of it, you know, just being... Well, hold on. Let's let's back up here. Do we think do we think the top nuts being severed is tied to his redemption arc? Uh, I mean, it's a very important symbolic moment in his development. It is symbolic, but from a character standpoint, it's more more or less strategy and survival than a real emotional uh, he's like, i think that yeah the top not technically severs his connection to the fire nation but like i think that like the symbolism is there but the his actual like thought process doesn't catch up until season three you right know? right because we also know that cutting your hair in the fire nation is also a sign of dishonor but mm-hmm. my point is i don't think zuko s- sees that act as an act of dishonor it is strictly just a method of survival for him but in the meta in the actual narrative it is symbolic of him severing ties with the fire nation but not even really because he does go back to it at some point so spoilers i guess but we already made well (laughs) joking joking joking. (laughs) yeah anyway uh 
back to the secret tunnel, uh, Angie and Katara and Appa have been separated from Sokka and the hippies, and Sokka is just devastated when he finds out he's stuck with them. Like he like he's like panicking, trying to get to the rubble. He, I don't think he's just trying to. He's worried about he just worried about his sister and Aang and Appa. He's trying to get away from the hippies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just like no, and he finds that he's stuck with them, and you know the, you know the. This hippie start trying. He starts singing. And Chong start tries to sing to keep to keep his spirits up, and it's just not working. It's not working. It's just not working. Uh, Aang and Katara then find what they think is the exit, uh, but it. And then Op is just like, "I'm getting the fuck out of here." Like, we're, you know, I, they're like, "Oh, I don't know how to get in." And then Op is like, "Nope, I'm getting out of here. Get out of my way!" And just headbutts the wall. Op is on Op is underrated comedy in this episode. I gotta say, like, yeah, he's like, he, back up. Give me a second. He's like, he, oh, he doesn't even bother to wait for them to back up. He just starts charging at the thing. And Aang and Katara just like, yeah. noped out of there. Um, and so Appa headbutts it. And it turns out it's not the exit. It is a tomb. It is, in fact, the tomb of the two lovers who are forbidden from one another. A war divided their people. Uh, yes, I had to quote the damn song. Uh, so they then see the story of the two lovers on the wall. So in case you forgot from the song, uh, this couple came together as a forbidden relationship. They would meet on the top of a mountain. They're, you know, they managed to find a way to keep their relationship secret by learning earthbending from the badger moles um, and creating a labyrinth, which only they could navigate successfully and served as their meeting place. Uh, one day, the man did not come because he had been killed in the war between their two villages. In her fury and grief, the woman displayed her terrifying earthbending skills and declared an end to the conflict. I mean, Chong was right. The song, you know, he said like this, the tunnels is as old as earthbending itself because they were the first earthbenders. So mm-hmm. details. Um, and then the two villages came together to create a city to honor the couple's love, and they named it Omashu, which came from the joining of the names of the two lovers, Oma and Shu. So fun fact, in case you forgot that. Uh, but also, they actually did mention uh, Oma in uh, Rise of Kiyoshi. They did. They did. Yes. I completely missed it, but you caught it. So real quick, so yeah. this had to have taken place before Avatar One, right? I think so too. Because, yeah, because it said they were the first Earthbenders. But I mean, here's the thing: I think the Lion Turtles gave people the ability to bend, but the ability to refine it came from watching badger moles and air bison and the fish. Yeah, the, uh, but the problem is dragons. the episode says they be it they the episode did not say they learned earthbending. It said they became the first earthbenders. So uh, that could be that in and of itself is a little unclear as well because do they mean earthbending as an art, like they became the first traditional earthbenders? I think or so. just the earthbenders. Period. I mean, if this if this took place before Avatar and one, I wouldn't I wouldn't second guess it. You know, like mm-hmm. so. I don't know. I also did think that um, at first I was like, it was Oma an avatar because it said she displayed her terrifying earthbending abilities and she declared an end to a war. So it feels like something an avatar would do. But then, like we said, this feels like it takes place before Avatar Mm -hmm. 1. So not really didn't work out. Mm So. I mean, as much as I love the introduction of like this Avatar One story in Korra, and I love getting the more backstory on the first Avatar, it did throw a little bit of confusion into what was already established. But you know. it did, it did, and um, we don't have to go into it now. But it's okay, I'm sure that w- it will come up later. I'm it sure. will, it will, yeah. Anyway, so after reading the backstory, they turn around. Katara and Aang turn around and find the statue of the two lovers marked with the slogan "Love is brightest in the dark." 
uh, Katara then, she's like, oh, this is kind of a crazy idea, but, you know, they have the whole love will help us get out of the tunnel, and, you know, love is brightest in the dark, maybe we should kiss, and then they just, like, they're just like, nah, you know, trying to be like, they're just, like, both super awkward about it, it is so mm. cute. Uh, fun fact, this is actually the first time we see Aang Earthbend this season, because of how he fast he dug his own grave in this scene. <laughs> 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 nice nice <laughs> roses are red Appa can fly I'm just saying I'd rather kiss you than die <laughs> oh my god look at you but that is a valentine's day you know it's... you look at you looking for some kind of promotion cause <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but you tell me to make one of those like shitty like vam- not valentine's day template things and just have like the you know like the valentine's day card that like, you get in elementary school like yes I gotta I'll, I'll see if I can find a template on like canva or something and make this happen speaking of which that you had to be the thing I, is already posted on our twitter I love that I found us. the exact frame I was looking for thank you Google, Google images <laughs> Google. <laughs> uh, anyway, yes, Angstrad says, I'm just saying I'd rather kiss you than die. And that pisses off Katara. And she's like, you know, never mind. Forget it. Like, you know, I'm sorry. It gets kissing me is so bad. Uh, <laughs> cut to Sokka, who's just had it up to here with the, the hippies. And Chong's is like, hey, I've had an idea for the last hour. Because <laughs> they're just like, like we're coming dead. up with ideas. Yeah, like they're like, like one of the hippies is just like, hey, we've been going in, you know, we've been kept going to the wrong, like, wrong way for the last like 10 times. And Sokka's like, well, at least I'm coming up with ideas. And then Chong's just like, oh, we're coming up with ideas. I've had an idea for the last hour. <laughs> and he's like, you know, we're supposed, love's supposed to lead the way out. So why don't we just play a love song? And you know what? He's not entirely wrong because it did, you know, the love song yeah. ended up working. So, you know, it's true. Anyway. Cut back to Aang and Katara. Uh, their torch is starting to burn out, and they you know, look into each other's eyes, and they lean in as the torch starts to burn out. And like that's just a beautiful like sequence right there. I don't it know. Is. It's something that's always just kind of stuck in my head, even years after watching that mm-hmm. episode. It's just a cool scene. Um, and then as like you know they they lean in, they definitely kiss. I was like, did they kiss? I'm like, okay, the way that they acted after like the after they found the crystals, and like Aang's like, so about what just happened? And then she's mm-hmm. like, nope. Yeah, I was like, they definitely did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so they, they, they break apart and they look up at the ceiling and find that a bunch of crystals are lighting their way out. And that is how the lovers found each other by turning, you know, taking, you know, getting rid of the torches and using the the crystals on the roof of the cave. To uh, yes. And I want to point out that there are a lot of parallels between this episode and the season two finale in the that crystals? the crystals iris says something very similar when they're in the tunnel where if you if you see the light end of the tunnel if you just keep going you'll find some you'll find a yourself place. someplace in a better place yeah and like ang is looking for katara and she's in that cave with the crystals and i'm just like there's a lot of parallels i don't necessarily know how they connect but i don't know like i feel like there's something there exactly I like that. A lot of parallels this episode. Not foils, parallels. There's difference. I don't know the difference, but there's apparently a difference. <laughs> don't explain it now. We'll there talk is. about it later. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So they look at they find they they follow the crystals on their way out and Appa's just like ready to get the fuck out. He mm-hmm. he's just like, you know, just sprinting out and like there's a there's a gif of Appa just collapsing onto his back and that's from this episode. Mm-hmm. He's just so happy to be out in the sun again and he just 
falls over just on his back, just like, thank God, we're out of there. And well, that's you know, it, it makes sense that Sky Bison would not want to be underground, you know? Yeah, no, it's just it's just great. It's just funny watching his reactions just about anything in this episode. Uh but that's just gonna that's just gonna be me after quarantine. Just like I might just like go I might just go to like a, a club or something, just probably just lay on the floor because I'm around people again. And get trampled. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Just I've to already feel been something. Enough. Just to feel something. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So anyway, Chong's just playing his love song. Sokka's not having it, and then they have a run with some badger moles, and they accidentally find out that badger moles actually love music. So then the nomads actually provide some. Besides being comic relief, they actually do provide the way out of the tunnel by playing music, which entrances the badger moles, and the badger moles get them out. They just barrel through the, you know. The, the walls of the cave and they, they, they come out and they're safe. Huzzah. Uh, they reunite with Sokka and the air and not the air nomads, but the, the hippies, the hippies. That's mm-hmm. what's called the hippies. If I think in nomads, I'll think there's air nomads. and That's not what I'm looking for here. Fair. They, they, anyway, Katara and Aang re- reunite with Sokka and the hippies. And now Sokka has this big old red mark on his <laughs> forehead. And then it's like, and then Katara's like, why is your forehead all red? And then Chong comes in and he's like, Nobody react to what I'm about to tell you, but I think that kid might be the Avatar. That's my like worst Chong impression. I'm sorry, <laughs> D. Bradley Baker. I tried. Uh, and then Sock just face bumps again because that's how we got the big red mark on his forehead just from just <laughs> over and over again for I'm sure hours. <laughs> oh, I forgot to even mention one of the funniest parts of this episode. She's like, he's like, how long do these torches last? About two oh, hours yeah. each and we have five torches so that's 10 hours and she lights them all he's like it doesn't work like that <laughs> yes i think i skipped over that it's such a funny episode oh my god and another underrated moment from the episode are you guys gonna come to omashu with us nope i gotta snort out and it's just like yeah, no nope. and, and ang's like okay and it just they just keep going. They just keep going. And the nomads just depart. They start singing, you know, even if you're lost, you can't lose the love because it's in your heart. There's my more singing. Thanks, guys. Uh, my new EP is coming out the end of the month. <laughs> just Love kidding. That. I don't have that. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, they reach the peak. And Sokka's like, after a long, exhausted journey, exhausting journey, here we are. The city of, oh, because Omashu has been taken over by the Fire Nation. Mm-hmm. It's like that. Like, this whole episode is basically that scene from Mulan when they're singing "A Girl Worth Fighting For," and it's just great. It's a great old time, and all of a sudden, a girl worth fighting. Until they see like a devastated village in front of them. That's basically what this episode is. Are we gonna have to do an episode on the parallels between Avatar and Mulan? Because I feel yeah. like you're you're finding a lot. <laughs> I know, I know, it's a problem, guys. It's one of my favorite Disney movies. So, <laughs> anyway, that's it. You find Omash has been taken over by the Fire Nation, and that that's it. That's the end of the episode. That's it, guys. That's, that's the end it. of the Secret Tunnel episode. That's all, folks. You guys coming? Nope. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> all right. So we have something a little special for you guys that we will be implementing from here on out as we are recapping Avatar The Last Airbender. We teased it, and now we are delivering. So we are now officially implementing the Azula Bell Counter. And we will keep we will be keeping track every episode on how many times we hear this. 
And on this episode, uh, these two episodes, we didn't hear any in the in the Cave of Two Lovers, but we did hear it in the Avatar State episode, and we heard it four times. So let's give it up for four Azula bells. <laughs> Whenever Azula shows up, you will hear that sound effect. And now that you, and now for all of the listeners who did not know this existed before, every single time you watch the show, you will never be able to unhear that. You're welcome. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that brings our Azula Bell counter up to four. So we will be adding uh, counters as we go along through this season and season three. And by the time we finish Atla, we will have an official um, final number of how many times you hear that in Avatar The Last Airbender. And just as a little fun thing, Kayla, I want to ask you, I'm going to put it in this doc right here. How many times total do you think you hear this in Avatar The Last Airbender? Hmm. I'm going to say... I'm going to shoot for 75. Why not? 75? Okay. I don't know, man. It's not. I'm not great at guessing. I'm terrible <laughs> at guessing. What's your number then? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot a little lower. I'm going to say 43. Great. I have a feeling, I don't think it's that many. But... Yeah, I want to make a joke about it. I, I was going to say, that's way too high. I'm kind of stupid <laughs> on that stuff. How I many mean, you episodes could, Do you want to change there, it? Kids? You can change it. I will change it because I'm kind of embarrassed now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to change it to? Let's shoot it for way lower. Let's go with 35. 42. <laughs> what is it? 35. 35. Okay. <laughs> I'm shooting for yeah. lower. And the uh... winner of whoever gets closer will get absolutely nothing. Just bragging rights. <laughs> Just bragging rights. Exactly. Cool. All right. So four times so far. Every week we'll be keeping track of that. Yay. And then we'll just, I don't know whether it's going to enhance the experience of watching or just going to make things worse when it's worse. We'll <laughs> see. We'll find out. Ask me again when we're done recapping Atla. How's yes. that? So, and that's it. That's it for the bell counter. Let's move over to Fandom Corner where we have a submission from Soapcat who, who tagged us on Twitter. Friend of the pod, Soapcat. Friend of the pod. Hello, Soapcat. Thank you again for <laughs> At Combustion Ma'am, yes. At Combustion Ma'am stellar twitter username by the way who has sent in i believe two fandom corners in the past yeah so good for you thank you for helping us run this podcast <laughs> seriously because i mean it's getting it's getting harder and harder every week to find good stuff corners. so so yeah please keep sending that in we'll let you know how to do fandom corner later in the uh, as we finish up but anyway would you rather have a show set during the Hundred Year War while Aang was in the iceberg or a show about benders not affiliated with the Avatar from any timeline? That's what Soapcat wants to know. Or Combustion Man. You go first, Kayla. Ooh. Personally, I would like to... I mean, they both kind of are similar concepts, just ones that are in a particular timeline and ones not because, you know, there's no Avatar during the Hundred Year War until Aang shows up. So I think I'd rather hear about, like, what the Hundred Year War was like with the world without an Avatar, kind of like the... You know, I mean, remember when uh, in Rise of Kyoshi when they were talking about kind of like the chaos that kind of came from mm -hmm. not the world not having an Avatar after, you know, Avatar Kurok died? Yeah. I'd like to see that, personally. I... How about you? I'd like to see both, by the way. Both is good. But if I had to choose, I'd choose the first. I, you know, I don't know what it is, but I really don't have a whole lot of interest in 
seeing what happened during the hundred years that Aang was gone. Cause I know it's all just miserable, you know, like I know that it like in any story that would have taken place in those a hundred years, I know that while there may be like a temporary victory of those leading characters, like winning the day, nothing's going to get better until Aang comes back. Right. So I don't, I don't really good, know. Good point there. But then the other side of the coin is how do you write a story in Avatar where you have a group of characters fighting a conflict that is dangerous enough for them, but not dangerous enough for the Avatar to not step in. It's kind of like the MCU problem, like in Spider-Man, whatever, like how do you write a conflict where it's like, well, it's not big enough for the Avengers to come in, but it's, big enough to cause a problem for our character you know what i mean so it's like i don't really know i would like a show that it is not necessarily focused on the avatar in that time i would be completely fine with that mm -hmm. um i don't know what that would be or what would it be about maybe just i mean just in a republic city series honestly sure i mean like we did say that we we would be really interested to see what the fallout of Aang's death looked like. How did the gang move on after it? How did they continue to build Republic City after his death? Like, that would be really cool. But I just, I don't know. I, I don't I don't really want to see what happened during those 100 years that Aang was gone because I know it's all just going to be really miserable. I forgot. I forgot how, like, depressing that suggestion actually is. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, if I, if you know, if the story is engaging enough or the, the idea is engaging enough, I guess it'd be... I don't know. I guess I'd have to see it. But if I had to pick, I definitely I would go with the second the second mm -hmm. option. Good question. Yeah, Great definitely question. any timeline. Definitely. I want to get honestly, I want to challenge Avatar Studios to write as many stories uh, as far away from uh, Aang and Korra's timeline as possible. Like I would love some about them and around them, but I want them to span. There's 10,000 years worth of Avatar history that we do not know about. You know what I mean? So like mm -hmm. get out there. Do something that's really far removed. Cool. Thanks for that Phantom Corner. Thank you very much. Soapcat slash Combustion Ma'am. Again, killer username. Love that. <laughs> um, so we have this new thing that we're going to do. I know we're implementing a lot of new things to Avatar Hour this, uh, this episode, but we're going to have a little mini segment at the end where we give you guys just like personal recommend recommendations of things that either have improved our lives or we just enjoyed that particular week. This is just meant to be like a fun non sequitur thing to maybe get us, uh, get to know us a little better. Um, my weekly rec recommendation for this week is ditch the candles and get a tart warmer. Now I know Patreon can see that I still have a lot of candles and more candles over there and more candles off screen but they are expensive tart as hell and there you go. with tart warmers i don't know if you know i know i sound like a 65 year old woman i don't know what a tart what is a tart warmer so it's the oh get get into a girl so it's okay. this device right. right that it has a heating lamp a light bulb inside right and a plate where you melt bits of scented wax and it's and it and it's like it's like lighting a candle, except you're not lighting anything. You're just putting a, a wax cube on this little hot plate, and it melts, and it like gives the scent that you're looking for. The best part about it is those wax cubes are really, really fucking cheap. Like they're they're two dollars for six wax cubes most of the time, and there there are so many different kinds of scents, way more scents than you than you would get with candles. 
Like there are a lot of them. They're seasonal. They're great. The uh, only you don't just need only one to fill up a whole room. Like it's pretty strong. Um, and yeah, it's a lot more cost effective than getting candles. Um, also some candles have like uh, toxic chemicals that that burn when you burn the wick inside of it. So it's a little safer too. But yeah, get that tot tor- warmer. It's like twenty bucks on Amazon. I highly highly recommend. <laughs> Great. That's, that's, <laughs> I did not. <laughs> uh, listen, I know it makes me sound like a 65-year-old grandma, but listen, it's I changed think, my life. Look, look, this entire pandemic has turned us all into 65-year-old grandmas. Exactly. Okay? You know, give me a little, give me something here, you know? Exactly. I'm glad, you know what? I'm glad that brings you joy. I'm glad it makes your house smell nice. Thank Good you. Good for you. I don't even have a lighter in my house, but I have a candle that's been, that's been given to me as a gift from like almost three years ago, and it's just haven't been well are you uh, like i don't never just just go on just keep going. i'm not a candle person so <laughs> okay that's what i was gonna ask uh me. yeah thank god no one else has gotten me candles do not get me candles for christmas i will not use them or my birthday don't do that anyway uh yeah well my recommendations for the week i just want to give a shout out to my friend uh their name is jen they are absolutely a delight they've been my, we've been best friends since preschool uh and they have been making me some amazing things lately i have for pa- for our patrons you can see it better but i have a star wars headband on right now star wars print uh headband and they made me a bunch of headbands so i have a spider-man headband and i have an avocado one uh oh. i don't even like avocados but it's a really cute headband <laughs> nice. uh, and they also made me uh this for the pa- the patrons that could see it it's a little squish it's a little squishy stuffed animal thing and i have they made a dinosaur fish thing it's so cute though i don't care what it is it's just a cute stuffed animal and they made it for me so the fact that they've been making me all of these lovely things and like they got me a mask too so i'm just appreciating my friends uh craftiness and skills and they've also made me some stuff like some like embroidery that i hang on my wall so i have one that's like uh i forgot to water my gender uh it's so thing that i've <laughs> actually said uh and so they made me an embroidery of that and i have a, a gay lightsaber so I just wanted oh, to appreciate that. my friend's craftsmanship. So you want to shout them out by name, or do you not want to dox them? Um, I mean, like, I don't know if they want to have their name out there, but you know what? If on the next recommendation, if they want me to, you know, promote them or anything, I will say their full name. But their name is Jen, and they are lovely, and I adore them so much. I, I mean, I was gonna say, I mean, is she doing commissions? Because I will, I would buy one of those dinosaur fishes in a heartbeat. I'm just saying. You know, I can I can get you. I'm sure she wouldn't mind making you one. So I will get Aww. I'll get you in contact with them. <laughs> oh, that'd be beautiful. Yes. Cool. Oh my god. So that's it. That's it for recommendations. I uh, hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, that's actually a fun segment of the show. I'll have to think of my recommendations. We're trying for it next out. Week. We're trying it out. I know we have a lot of like mini segments tacked on to the end of the recap, but you know, it's it's all fun and games. People here. like us, I think. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I, I know people who hate listen to podcasts, hate watch, hate listen. You know, I don't know. I mean, hey, they must have a lot of energy if they wanted to do like listen to like what or almost in an hour and a half. I, I was gonna say of all the podcasts hours. they hate listen to, I feel like we'd be the ours most taxing. Is probably not the, yeah, I would be the most emotionally taxing. Just doing yeah. Anyway, imagine anyway, also anyway. not knowing anything about Avatar and and listening, just listening to it just to because just you hate the sound of our voices. I mean, like, girl, you're getting us, you're getting us the views, you're getting us, you're getting us the check. I mean, exactly, exactly. It's a, <laughs> The whole of ten dollars we made <laughs> off of this show. <laughs> oh my god! Anyway, so if you love Avatar Hour and you would like some more content from us, consider visiting our Patreon. 
We have a lot of exciting bonus content over there, and for little as just $1 a month, you can get a shout-out live on the show and also receive a personalized thank you video from either me or Andre, so that's cool. And we absolutely love making this podcast, and we really appreciate your support, so visit us at patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. Cool. And if you'd like to send us feedback about the show or send in submissions for Fandom Corner, you can email us at uh, theavatarhourpodcast.gmail.com or you can reach us on Facebook and Instagram at the Avatar Hour Podcast or on Twitter at Avatar Hour. That's it. That's it. I, you know, I also, I know we have to get out of here because we're running a, a little over time, but um, for the people listening on Monday who already know how WandaVision ends, I'm just going to say it right now. Fuck Mephisto. Exactly. Shut up about it. (laughs) Shut up. Shut up about Mephisto. Shut up about Mephisto. I don't care. I don't care anymore. It was cool before, and it's been over talked about, and I hate it. We're gonna look like Kayla. We are gonna look like absolute fools if he shows up in this last episode. I'm telling you, I don't think it's gonna happen. But the people listening to this episode, you know, you have the advantage of it actually coming out after exactly. it actually happens. Exactly. We are on the Eve. We're on WandaVision Eve. This is Thursday night. So Eve. we'll know in a couple hours. Anyway, exactly. sorry for the super <laughs> long episode. We're just having a good time. We will see you guys next week for uh, episodes three and four of season two of the Avatar last airbender. Um, cool. Awesome. So I've been Andre. Not, not You've been Andre. Not me saying I've been Andre. I was just thinking about that today, <laughs> of how cringe that that phrase. I mean, you're Andre five minutes ago, so you've been Andre. Oh my god! And I've done this before. I'm oh cutting that my out. God. Anyway, uh, my name's Andre, and I've been Kayla. Stop! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Get out of here. Bye. And I'm Kayla. Bye. <laughs>